Welcome back to another Mercado Commodity Update. These short updates are designed to give you a summary of what is happening in the agricultural markets. We'll tend to cover grains, livestock and wool. Some weeks we may miss out on a commodity if we feel that there's not much to say. But generally, we'll just get straight to the point. Thanks for that intro, Andrew. I'll uh, jump straight in. You've got Matt Dogloosh here uh, with the livestock update. I'll start off with uh, the 90 CL uh, price we've seen for beef markets this uh, week. Had an incredible rise. Um, so the 90 CL is the manufacturing uh, beef price, input price that goes into the USA. Uh, we've spoken about it a few times uh, on the Mercado podcast, but it's a fairly crucial indicator from a offshore um, export perspective and it does tend to um, help lead uh, young cattle prices within Australia uh, over the long term. We've seen some increasing prices uh, most recently and uh, this week just gone we've had a really big uh, uptick in prices, a 40% increase to the 90CL so it's pushed it from uh, 8 40 cents uh, last week to 960 cents this week. Uh, incredibly high, record high prices for 90CL. Uh, and what it's uh, really meant it to is that the discount spread between the Eastern uh, Young Cattle Indicator, the ECI, and the 90CL has widened, uh, certainly in a cents per kilo uh, perspective, it's widened to the to the widest point or the widest discount it's ever been. Um, we're at 4.43 cents uh, discount from the ECI currently to the uh, 90CL. If you contrast back to the um, 2014-15, the big turnoff and the big drought we saw back in those days was the last time we saw uh, the discount between the 90 cell and the icky uh, anywhere near where it is now, and that was at uh, 351 cents per kilo carcass weight. So incredibly um, wide um, disparity between those two prices at the moment. One thing we like to look at Mercado when we're when we're assessing prices across uh, a long time frame is to not just look at the cents per kilo, which is important, but crucially the uh, percentage spread. Uh, and on a percentage basis, if you look at that discount, it's uh, nearly at record, uh, nearly record levels. Um, back in that 14, 2014 November was when it got to the widest point uh, and it was around 51.6% discount. Currently we're around a 46% discount to the 90CL, so extreme levels but not quite as um, as extreme as we have seen in the past, but it really is indicating just how this dry market um, is impacting certainly young cattle prices at the moment in Australia and the outlook from the Bureau uh, just released recently as well shows that uh, into December we're going to expect for most, most of the East Coast and certainly into the northern parts of uh, the country in Queensland there in the far north that um, there's very much going to be a delayed monsoonal season so we aren't expecting for the next month to get much in the way of moisture to get those young cattle prices uh, moving however um, eyes eyes peeled for um, the first few forecasts into into next year I guess when the um, Bureau can, can give us an idea as a three month outlook into the autumn break if we start to see a uh, return to a bit more normality and the chances of a bit more rainfall the current disparity between the ECI and the 90CL could uh, tighten up significantly, not to suggest that the 90CL is going to stay at 960 cents into next year, but certainly um, given what's shaping up with regards to demand out of China uh, from uh, the African swine fever epidemic, that's not going to let up. We're heading into the Chinese New Year in, in, into um, January, and so demand for protein is going to be fairly strong through to there. But uh, even if the 90CL is only around that 800 cent uh, level into early next year and we start to get some rainfall, uh, it really does show how high uh, young cattle prices can start to head uh, next year if we if we get a decent break and uh, the return to restocker activity comes back into the beef market. 
like our forecasting showed a few weeks back in Mercado, it's not unlikely that we could see young cattle prices up uh, you know, around the 865, maybe even as high as 900 cent level through that period uh, into winter into next year if we get um, restockers re-engaged. Uh, so yeah, exciting times for the uh, beef markets, we just need the rain. Turning to sheep markets now, and uh, my colleague Angus Brown took a great uh, look at uh, mutton prices and you know, demonstrating that for the last three years we've seen um, both growing uh, supply and slaughter of mutton, even despite the, the low flock, uh, but obviously the dry driving that increased um, slaughter and supply of mutton. Uh, but it has been shown that this uh, increased slaughter and supplies has come uh, with higher prices and, again, uh, just uh, giving a real signal to the market that, that the demand has increased over the last few years for mutton and certainly again that old um, spectre of the African swine fever in Asia uh, is driving uh, the big demand for our um, for our mutton product. Um, uh, this week in lamb markets we have started to see a bit more of the Victorian uh, flush taking underway so that so trade lamb and some lamb prices certainly around Victoria have, have softened somewhat uh, but when you contrast to where they were this time last year we're still looking pretty good producers out there able to still capture uh, good good value for um, for those lambs coming forward now uh, in, the, in the spring flush. Um, that's pretty much it for me for uh, livestock markets. I'll pass you across to Rob uh, Herman. Uh, him and I were at um, the Red Meat Conference in Tamworth this week and so um, rather than a wool report uh, we're going to well he's going to give you a bit of a rundown of uh, his takings of the the Red Meat Conference fantastic conference that MLA uh, put on with an exceptional range of uh, guest speakers and panel sessions that were were really uh, entertaining and intriguing Um, so I'll get uh, handed off across to Rob and I'll get him to um, give you a bit of his take and summary on the Red Meat Conference Um, that will be it for me uh, for this week and also uh, I'm actually away in the US on holidays for a month so you won't hear me uh, for a short while but uh, I'll look forward to coming back and speaking with you all into the new year Um, for me at least uh, all the listeners out there have a uh, fantastic uh, festive season stay safe and I'll be in touch and uh, now I'll hand across to Rob and and he'll uh, give you a rundown and and his close off cheers thanks Matt and um Keeping up the note, I guess, of uh, talking all things red meat this week, um, we've decided that uh, that's where the focus is going to be for um, this um, short podcast. So I'm going to just uh, give you a quick update on the um, MLA's red meat conference that uh, both Matt and I attended in Tamworth this week. Um, This conference actually started... Um, is an initiative, I think, from Richard Norton, who was the chair at the to- or the CEO at the time. And uh, what they had been doing was having uh, annual general meetings. Those annual general meetings were quite boring, I think, and uh, and didn't get a lot of attendance. And what they decided to do was add a conference or a forum where MLA talked about some of the things they were doing, gave outlooks on the markets, and generally looked at how the whole industry was going and what the contribution from MLA was. And it's turned out to be very good. The um, the inclusion this year of um, farm tours, in, that included Romani Pastoral Company, which is uh, uh, in, it's, uh, including a lot of innovation and technology in their business, and also the Kalara feedlot run by elders, gave people who are attending a good start to understanding some of the more innovative farm businesses and, and beef businesses that were around. Um, the whole red meat industry, though, which includes sheep meat, uh, goats and um, and beef under MLA's remiss, is really looking at a very positive outlook. And we've talked about that a lot, but um, 
if you take away the impact of the drought and and not to not to diminish that impact or not to undermine or underplay how that's affecting people if you take that away though it's really difficult to see any negatives on the horizon so we've got this underpinning increase in demand that's come from uh, increasing wealth in the developing countries so uh, that 35,000 US dollars per annum uh, income that MLA identified a long time ago as being a threshold for their uh, people buying red meat that those numbers are really growing and um, Andrew Robb who was the former trade minister in uh, I think the Howard government uh, he gave a really good presentation about what's happening on that demand level and there was one stat that came through which I found uh, really compelling he said that if you look at um, households that have more than $35,000 US revenue a year and in China if you just look at those that are the millennials so those people who are in that sort of early 30 age bracket there's 300 million of them so there's 300 million people who are 30 to 38 I think it is who have $35,000 or more who are looking to um, improve their diets and uh, and add red meat to their um to their uh, uh, menus. It's interesting that uh, that seems like, okay, 300 million, what does that mean? Well, in in the US, the same demographic, so the same millennials who have 35,000 or over is just 80 million people. So the fact that we're now starting to see significant flows of, of red meat into China out of Australia and other countries uh, can be explained by that demand. There was one other area that was really well covered and it was covered on... Um, Tuesday morning, I think it was, where um, people talked about the customers, and uh, there was a there was a lot of discussion about this. Um, you know the the vegetarians and the vegans and and how insightful they are, and and how we might engage with them. And and in in fact, when the numbers are broken down, they're not quite as impactful as what we think. I think they they tend to make a lot more noise than they than anybody else, and they get a they get a big forum. Um, but there was a sports nutritionist there, um, and I'm just looking up, it was Peter, who, who she made the point that a lot of her clients are either claiming to be, be vegetarian or vegan, but when you break it all down, they're sort of what, what she was terming flexitarian. So, well, to, to fit in with their peer group and their social groups, they might claim to be vegetarian. In fact, they're quite happy to have a little bit of meat, um, you know, when the opportunity arises. So, and, and that demographic is quite small. It's way below 10% in Australia. And of course, if you go to some of our overseas markets, it's even a, a lower percentage. In, in uh, the other area was talking about um, how we engage with customers in terms of, of looking at their um, expectation of us. And one example was the, um, the red meat industry's uh, objective of being carbon neutral by 2030. And this is a really good objective because it actually addresses a serious issue of the, uh, of the consumer. The consumers are concerned about carbon and, and, and all the impacts from that. And they, if they can relate that back to a red meat industry that, that outlines the steps it's going to take to reduce their carbon emissions and be carbon neutral by 2030, this plays into a really positive narrative. And so this, these are some of the things that MLA is going to be pushing in the future. You know, they're, they're, they're taking the view that you don't fight your critics. What you do is you actually 
talk to them about your narrative. So in this case, rather than fighting the critics who are saying don't eat red meat, they're saying, well, hang on, what's the evidence? And here's what we're doing. We're heading towards carbon neutral in 2030. And I think that's a really positive way to look at it. So that's about it for me. Uh, As Matt said, he's going to the States. Now, um, he said he's going for a holiday, but I can tell you that uh, I'm pretty sure that he'll be um, looking to pick up some titbits and some ideas about what's happening in that huge market that that influences our red meat. We'll still be around and we'll keep bringing you um, um, Mercado Commodity Comments. If you want to know more, though, we encourage you to go to mercado.com.au. That's where you can pick up all the detail. Uh, I'm Robert Herman. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening.